Hello and welcome into the 26th episode of the Promo Guy podcast brought to you by Mojo. Mojo uh, is the stock market for sports, offering probability-based odds, live cash outs, and a one-of-a-kind player prop selection. And now the creators of Sunday Slams are bringing you an all-new way to play DFS. Nick, you've been on Mojo now for a couple of weeks. Uh, how are you enjoying it? Or actually probably over a month now since they've broken out into a bunch of states. I love it. It took me a while to get used to viewing their props from like a... The decimal odds? A money yeah. point of view. Yeah, the decimal outlook instead of looking at it as like minus 110. Now that I'm able to like look at it and right away know what number that correlates to, I love it. I feel like they offer some fun lines. They We've gotten to play some fun bets on there. Um yeah, I, I'm. I've loved my experience. Okay, so far. Hey, good. Well, I'm. I'm glad because they're sponsors, so it would have been really awkward if you said that you didn't like it. But I'm glad you're enjoying. Um, so anyway, we do have a guest coming, which we'll introduce after we do the state of the stack. Uh, but why don't we get into it? Um, state of the stack. So Twitter account. Looks like it's down $50 on the week, which I believe would put us up about 200 on the month, about halfway through the month. Um, Discord, so that's kind of, you know, I guess kind of a mediocre week, but going down 50. Um, I guess a few culprits. Just looking through, we had the Caesar NHL on Thursday. That was a minus 50. Um, Sunday, the, the FanDuel PPTs were minus 60. Then the FanDuel boosts were minus 60. So that was kind of minus 120. The things that sort of helped us come back from those, mostly Monday, um, the Harper boost, the Caesar free bet, the plus 910, and the DKS GP boost, which was a fun one. So that's kind of the week down a little bit up on the month and Discord. Had one of it's been a really good run for like the Discord only stuff, like the Bet365s, the MGMs. Uh Barstool had a really good week. But this week was was a was a really stellar week um for all those types of books. Um I think Fanatics have been doing very well. Uh the promo side, I think the boosts haven't been doing well, but the promos have been doing very well. Plus EVI was doing a good job. Price picks guy person has been doing well. Uh so really strong week. The strongest Thing that's been going is definitely like the higher tier higher tier official plays um those officials actually haven't had a down day yet in october i think uh we've had 13 days with plays and we've been up every single day we've actually only had two down days in the last 30 so obviously uh some positive variants there but really a stellar stellar run um all throughout but especially in the official tiers and uh, we just need Twitter to catch up a little bit. Yeah, love to see that. Love to hear that. Um, I guess let's keep it moving for the gambling landscape update. Um, we've got a few fun random topics to talk about today. We saw a inmate this past week from jail. There's a video going around. Do you know what I'm talking about? The five. I definitely know bet. what you're talking about. Um, we haven't talked about this yet, but is it real? Do you, oh, you're under the impression it's not real? I think this this man is on his way home. Somebody, I texted my friend the video, and he said that he thought it wasn't real. Um, but let's just assume that it is. And if it is, it is 
the most ridiculous thing. I mean, I just think the most ridiculous part is that he included the Liberty when he went four NFL teams, threw in the Liberty. Okay, so for those who don't know, uh, the story is that an inmate who I guess had $500 to his name had a ten grand bail. Uh, and he, he recorded himself calling a buddy of his or a bookie or whatever saying, Put in this parlay five hundred to pay thirteen thousand, which would more than cover his bond or whatever, and it hit. Uh, he won. He's he's a free man for now, and you know it's 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 the hit of a lifetime. I mean, everybody was joking about. I guess I forget what the last leg was, but it was a close I, one. Maybe it was like I the Cowboys minus no, one and a half. The no, Giants uh, Bills game. I think he had the Bills. The Giants. Yes, yes. It was the. Uh, it was the the Bills money yeah. line, which couldn't have added much. It probably brought it from like the 10k to the 13k, so he didn't even need it in there. And they get down to the one, and there's one play left, and you know, uh, everyone's like, "This guy must have been sweating like no gambler has ever swept before," because it determined whether he's got to sit in a jail cell for the next however long. Uh, but he won the bet. Uh, so you thought the most ridiculous part that he added was that he added the Liberty? I just didn't see it coming. He's like, it, it seemed like a scene out of Uncut Gems where he's like listing off. He's like, give me the Celtics. Give me Garnett rebounds. Give me Garnett to win the tip. And it's like, okay, like makes sense. Makes sense. Like everything's going. And then he's like, and throw in the Liberty. Yeah. A WNBA team. Like he had to clarify on the call. <laughs> yeah. It, it was just awesome. It was a really funny video. Uh, that that's awesome. I hope it doesn't encourage too many people to 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 gamble away like all the money that they have. But I guess the risk to reward does look a little bit better when it's like when that you know the five hundred dollars doesn't do you a ton of good while you're in jail versus the ten k being a free man for a while. Like I guess the risk to reward actually looks a lot better in that scenario. Uh, cause 10 grand's a lot worth a lot more than 10 grand. Yeah. We have no idea what he did. So I will like absolve us of that. I have no idea. Yeah. Yeah. yeah of course. Right now I'm encouraging that we, got, we got a like convicted, a soon to be convicted. Right. No, of, if, if, if there's a real the victim to whatever crime he committed, you know, we're, we're separating ourselves from that. We're purely talking about the gambling component to it, but yes, good point. And what was the next thing you wanted to talk about? Um, I just wanted to talk about a little like uh, mean reversion. Um, I, I think the way my gambling brain works is I think we're coming off of an NFL week where the unders performed extremely well. I think going into Monday night football, I saw that they were 11 and two. And I believe the Monday night football game also hit under. So I think we were 12 and two Definitely this, went under, yep. this past week on unders. Does that mean that you think it, you like, as a gambler, I'm like, uh, I'll just take every over this week and we've got to bounce back because it usually ends around even on the season. Or uh, is that just... Uh, Does I, it usually end about even on the season? I mean, I assume so, but um, I know that some people do think that unders tend to perform slightly better than expected just because like the entertainment stuff, like people like to bet overs. Uh, I'm not sure if there's any truth to that. Maybe Hank can look it up. Uh but yeah, I mean, I think it's just random. Like, let me see. If if I put in, there are fourteen games. Each bet is fifty percent. 
the odds of getting 12 or higher would be, wow, really freaking small. This says 0.6% that you'd get, get you'd go 12 and two or better. So, wow, that, <laughs> that's really high. So, yeah, I don't know if this was coincidental. If there, I don't think there was like a big weather thing. It must, you know, you'd think that uh, maybe that there was sort of like a, there's been sort of a shift in the NFL of defenses maybe gaining upper hands, maybe maybe uh, officials have been de-emphasizing PI and, and other penalties that help extend drives. Like, I wonder if there's sort of this movement. Uh, the regression would be people overreacting to it and, you know, over-unders looking a lot lower this week than maybe they would have a week ago. But I'm not sure. That's It's, it's statistically just so unlikely to be random that it's very interesting. Yeah, that's honestly that's honestly a pretty interesting way to look at it. Uh that people may overreact to how low scoring all these games were. And we may see a lot of numbers this week that end up encouraging the over to hit more often because you're seeing a lot more over under 42 and a half instead of 49 and a half. Um, yeah, I mean no 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 spread no total is going to move 7 points. But but if each of them moved a couple points, you know, one point, two points, yeah. uh, that would certainly – I mean, look, some of this was obviously random, but it is interesting that uh, – so I don't know. It would have to be someone who who knows this stuff better than I do to say, oh, hey, these over-unders are lower than they have been. And is that is that real or not? Like, should that be the case? Again, 0.6% of the time, uh, either all – you know, the overs or unders should go – 12 and two were better. So somewhat unlikely to have been random. Uh, maybe there was, there's some, some kind of shift or maybe it was just random. We don't, we don't know, obviously, but that's definitely interesting. So anyway, uh, why don't we jump to our special guest? Yeah. Talk some hoops. Uh, yeah. Let's, let's bring him in. I'm, I, I can't believe NBA season just jumped up on us this quickly. And I'm really excited that we've got a fun guest on today to uh to talk about it with us so yeah so nba is less than a week away uh and we have nba first three on twitter who you know affectionately is called the malt man um and how we'll refer to him because he's anonymous as well uh but nba first three on twitter you should follow him uh sort of the background is he was helping me do some ev stuff like very early on in the discord days he's been a, a twitter follower for a while and you know, we've we've formed a relationship through sort of like the early days of that, and he has since branched off and is doing and and runs a a uh, in my opinion very good Twitter account, especially around NBA season, where he focuses on all different types of you know NBA bets. Uh, Maltman, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing good. I'm excited to to finally be on the podcast and to be talking more with you. Um, for sure, this is gonna be great. I love talking NBA. All right, good. Um, and we brought in the right guy. Um, all right, moment. So tell us a bit about yourself. Um, how'd, how'd you really get into NBA betting? And how'd you kind of figure out that was sort of uh, an avenue for you? Yeah, so I've been an NBA fan all my life. Growing up, I was talking with Hank about this, but I used to go to Wizards games uh, in DC with my dad. Um, and just always loved watching the nba uh when i started getting into sports gambling like, even though you had to go to wizards games even going to wizards games i mean back then like wow. i got i saw jordan play for the wizards i saw gilbert arenas i remember um 
in the late nineties, I was going to games and there was this guy coming off this, the bench was this big man. And I was like, this guy is very good. I have no idea. He keeps coming off the bench for him. And then they trade him to the Pistons a few months later. And he won like three defensive players a year. And that was Ben Wallace. So it was like very apparent. They didn't know what they were doing. (laughs) They still, they haven't really until like, I I would say basically this year, they finally did. Um, But then, yeah, I mean, as you mentioned, I, uh, I found you on Twitter. Um, We started talking and then that got me into the more the EV space. And then, when I pulled away some from just helping out with the EV stuff, I was like, well, I, I wanted to focus in more on the NBA. And instead of just betting my gut, which is fun, of course, as everyone likes to do, but it, doing the actual research and spending the time looking into, okay, well, can we do a better job predicting futures uh, and awards and player stats um, looking at the data? Uh, and so that brought me into the NBA dating uh, data space, which I think is was profitably for last year. I finished about 20 units on the season, which is 20% ROI. Um, and, and I'm hoping to do better, even better this year. Great. So what was your favorite hit of last season? Uh, my favorite hit last year was uh, I went through uh, all the leaders in player stats. Um, and I found that steals per game feels like something that should be pretty repetitive year over year, but we've now going on nine straight seasons with different winners and the winners actually have like a similar type of profile. They play for a team with a top 15 defense. They average like one and a half, at least 1.3 steals the year before they're young. They play a certain amount of minutes. And so going through that, I, uh, I identified that like a couple guys were great candidates last year, like Donovan Mitchell, who I bet at 80 to one, he didn't hit um, Gary Trent. And oh. then the, <laughs> The one that did hit was OG and Inovi at 41 to one, um, which was like just awesome to hit from the beginning of the year. So that was, that was probably my favorite um, overall. Nice. Was that sweaty at all? Or did he just sort of run away with it? Early in the year, he was hovering around top two and Delon Wright on the wizards was ahead of him. Um, But guys off the bench just don't ever lead their team. Don't ever lead the league in steals. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard to yeah. maintain. That. And eventually, he he's finished with a high average, but he didn't end up playing enough games, anyways. And OG just sort of pulled away during the <laughs> season. There you go. Well, well, nice hit. So, are you looking at any steals, guys, this year? Yeah. So the I I ran the same model as I did from last year, um, and I identified there were like six or seven guys that basically fit sort of the bill. And the ones I ended up going with were uh, Markel Fultz uh, who opened at one fifty to one, but is now at about a hundred to one, um, which betting stuff that long is, is crazy, but he is just so under the radar in terms of what he did. And uh, I actually have a friend who works covering the magic. And he was mentioning to me how he's going to play more minutes. They're really stressing. He thinks he's going to have a breakout year. And so if he just, uh, kicks his minutes up like two or three more a game, he would be right up there, averaging one and a half steals last year. And then the other two were Daigilgis Alexander and uh, Herb Jones. Uh, Herb Jones has the same sort of issue with the minutes, but Shea, I mean, we know he's going to play a ton of minutes, average a steal and a half last yep. year. Um, and we're only like five, six years removed from Curry leading the league in both points and steals. And I think we might see the same thing from Shea this year. Is that a, is that a top 15 defense, you think, in Oklahoma City? I, I'm higher on their team. Um, I would say of those, of those three guys, I think the magic are, I think the magic will for sure be top 15. Um, New Orleans, right. if things come together, 
probably, but it's tough to, they're such a hard team to tell with the injuries and stuff. They finished six last year. And then OKC, I, I have a lot of faith in sort of what Chet is going to bring to them defensively and, and dig. Well, I mean, if you add, if you add a shot blocker, I don't know what the stats say, but it should be, it should help guards getting steals for sure. Cause like you can be a lot more aggressive when, you, you know, if you think about like the extremes, if you had a five foot six center, you couldn't go for any steals. You have to keep guys in front, right? Yeah. And if you had a 12 foot center, you might as well just go for every steal because it doesn't matter if the guy gets by you. So if Chet could be, you know, closer to the 12 foot center than the than the five than the five foot center, then maybe that would be good for Shea. Yeah, that was definitely something I looked into. It was almost all the guys who have let it have had a big man next to him who was a great rim protector. Um, and the Raptors right. didn't have so much going to last year, but after they traded for Pirtle, they actually sort of did. Um, and that definitely helped too. Uh, and I, I do think the addition of Chet will definitely help them sort of take risks uh, on the defensive end as well. Yeah. Nice. So when we were talking just before we started the episode, um, we had been talking about how Nick infamously was a big Wemby hater just a few months ago. Um, what do you think of Wemby? I think he's going to be awesome. Yeah, I, I'm definitely a big fan. Um, I think I think for the future, just watching how he develops, I and mean, we've never seen someone with his talents, at least in terms of dribbling on the offensive end and the shooting ability, but especially in the defensive end, I, I, I'm not sure if people quite understand just how big he is, and there are going to be times in the season where guys go up for shots and they feel like, oh, this is for sure. Like, There's no chance anyone's going to block it, and Wemby's going to come out of nowhere and just get to the ball. Yeah, there there was a replay. I mean, there've been a there've been a bunch, but the the one uh, I think we were playing the Heat actually in the preseason yeah. game where uh, Highsmith stole it. Like he he threw like sort of a, a lazy inbound. Highsmith stole it, and Wemby took one step towards the hoop, and Highsmith looked up, and he it it there was no thought process there. He's like he threw it out as quickly as he could. Yeah. And obviously it wasn't a good inbound pass, but it just shows you, uh, you know, and Highsmith's not, you know, Chris Paul, like a five, nine or whatever. Chris Paul's taller than that, but he's not like this little guard. He's like a six foot four guy that could jump. And, and Wemby just had to basically look at him and, and there was no way that shot was going up. So um, I think you're right. And I think it's going to be the kind of thing where it's already just because there's so much hype around him that people are just going to be looking around like crazy. Uh, and the one thing I'm looking forward to, I haven't seen him do it yet, but I love when shot blockers catch the ball. Yeah, it's the best. It's it's just such a more effective block than a block. Yeah. You know, because ha- most blocks, again, I don't know the stat behind it, most blocks end up back in the offense's hand just because they end up going out of bounds. Um. So they're effective, but they're not crazy effective. If you catch the ball, it's it's a steal, right? Yeah. Um, and I think that Wemby's, you know, it looks like he can block some of these shots with his armpits. Uh, you wonder if he's going to, you know, start learning to catch the ball. And, 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 you know, we haven't seen a big guy, like, catching blocks in a long time. I'm, I'm hoping that he brings that back. Yeah, one of the things, some of the – Guys like Andre Drummond or uh, 
or Hassan Whiteside, like they would just try to hit the ball as hard as they could. But if you watch like back when you watch Garnett or Duncan or guys like Ben Wallace, when they block shots, they're like trying to block it and like aim it towards their teammates or, or something of the sort. And I'm sure their recovery rate was much higher. And I think we're going to start to see that from one B two partially because I mean, such great coaching there as well. The bigger question I think for him, at least for this upcoming season is like the books have him almost 50% to win rookie of the year, which is just so high. Yeah. We have a, bo- we have a boost for him to win rookie of the year. I think it's plus plus one eighty or something. Ooh. What, what book is that on? It was FanDuel. They, they put it out like after he got drafted, like it was like draft. Oh, right. Right. Yeah. I think I was out of town then. So I missed that, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's fantastic. Um, it could have been a little bit lower, but I, I think it was at least plus 150. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I think. Uh, but sorry, keep going. Sorry, keep no, going. No, it's just, it's a, it's when Durant won, he was a really big favorite as well because Odin got hurt early, early in the year. Um, and this year, it's just there's between Chet and Scoot, those are guys who are going to put real numbers for real teams. They're going to be real competition. It's hard to figure out, right, well, what percent chance does he actually still have cool. to win given the likely numbers he's going to put up? I mean, I think the big question for him, and you know, you know better than me, is just how many games he's going to play. Like, if he gets the game, yeah, it's just hard to imagine with his defensive impact. Like, Chet's not going to end up with averaging twenty-two and twelve, right? He's not one of he's not the first option for sure, and you know, I, I think his usage will be just lower in general. Um, I don't think I also don't think he'll be quite as good of a player as Wemby, but also just like like Wemby will be anchoring that defense. His usage offensively will be pretty high. Um, I just think that it would be tough for for him or Scoot, who's got you know a few other guards there, and they'll be on a you know a losing team. Like I don't know, maybe there's the argument that the Thunder end up with a decent amount more wins, but I just don't know if if like the NBA rookie of the year cares about wins the way the other awards do might end up like a LeBron mellow situation, right? Like I think, I think mellow made the playoffs, but, and LeBron didn't, but people were just like benefited doubt to LeBron. He had the highlights and everyone was watching him all year. And it was sort of like a tie goes to the, to that guy. Yeah. I, I definitely called back to that specifically uh, those two against each other. Um, we are on a streak of basically six, seven straight players whose teams have won at least 33 games while they've been rookie of the year. So while it doesn't matter in the same ways it does for a lot of other awards, it it probably has some impact because they're not looking for someone who's just abject, like putting up empty calories. I, I agree a, that there's probably a minimum amount you need to win. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and and I mean, Chet's both of Webby, both the Portland and San Antonio have win totals under that. So it's tough to get to. I based on sort of like what sportsbooks have posted for went for Scoot, it's sort of like a 13, eight and 13 points and like eight rebounds a game. Um with like two assists for, and for who? For uh, sorry, for Chet. Uh, um and then for yeah, for Scoot, uh I saw like about sixteen and a half points, seven assists and rebounds lines. They don't have for him, but for him it's probably somewhere between like two and a half and four rebounds. Yeah. And then for Wemby, it would be 17 points and eight and a half rebounds and two and a half assists or so. So they're all in a similar place there, but right. Wemby is just mm-hmm. a little bit higher. Um, I, I guess my thing is Wemby, I'm actually curious. I don't know if you know, like what are his odds to lead the league in blocks? Initially when FanDuel posted was 25 to one, I, I posted about 15 to one. Um, 
which I think is like still good value. There've been a few rookies in history uh, who have um, guys like Manu Bull, but he, the threshold to lead the league in blocks last season was almost lower than it's ever been. Um, and, and he could for sure come in and just average like three to four blocks a game. I mean, like two years ago when who, who led the league last year and how many blocks did they have? Jaron Jackson did. And I think he averaged 2.65 blocks a game would be what I'd say. Right. Okay. Um, yeah. I mean, I think Wemby will clear two blocks a game. Yeah. Me too. I don't know what his over under is. So I'm just like, I don't know if he's like a, if he gets anywhere near leading the league in blocks and his points, rebounds match up with the other guys and he's Wemby. Like it's to me, it's really just about the games played. Like, like you said, Chet's over unders are 13 and eight and Wemby's are higher. If they have the same over under points, in, like if they have the same points and rebounds this year and the Spurs win 30 games and the Thunder win 40 games, like, I don't know. I think Wemby's going to get it. Yeah. It's tough. It's so hard to tell. Uh, I, 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 would argue that defense should matter, but we're two years ago when Mobley lost to, um, when Mobley lost to Scotty Barnes, like Mobley's defense was way better and Barnes stats were just a little better and they gave it to Barnes anyway. So yeah, I don't think Wemby's going to get snubbed though is my thing. Yeah. that That's what I think too. I just, I, I, I keep coming back to the fact that just they're, they're going to be watching him a ton and people are just going to be all over it. And if he plays enough games, he'll get there. Um, and I don't think that's right. The games is a real concern. Yeah. Like the, a great comp would be like Anthony Davis and Damian Lillard when they were both rookies and AD just didn't play enough games. And Dame had like really fantastic stats, but scoots has basically three 20 point scores in front of him. And Wemby just, he will be there at worst third leading scorer on the team and probably get close to 20. So I do think he'll have the best statistical argument as well, ultimately. Um, yeah, and there was some reason why Ben Simmons got it over Donovan Mitchell a few years ago. So yeah. uh, I think it's a weird one. into that. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think that part of that was the hype of Simmons versus the hype of Mitchell were very different. But, like, if we knew what we knew now, I bet you Mitchell would have won it, although you could argue defensively and whatever. So I don't know. Um, but that will be a fun one to – to track. Um, all right, so let's get into more of the fun stuff. Uh, we've done we did this for college football and a bit for NFL, but uh, let's just do quickly like who do you like coming out of the East? Who do you like coming out of the West? Champion. We can do a few other awards like MVP. Like I just want to hear you talk hoops. Yeah, for sure. Um, I in terms of the the playoffs, we're in. The, 32 of the last 40 seasons, we've seen someone who basically the NBA champions had someone who won MVP previously and was still playing at an all NBA level the year before. Um, and then in some, the, like for the other seasons, it was a team where someone had won MVP that season. So I'm really only looking at teams to win the title who have someone who is an MVP who, who was previously won MVP who's still okay. playing at a close to prime level. So I'm lower on Boston and Phoenix because Durant just wasn't quite there last year than the consensus by far. Um, and I like, I, I mean, I like Denver the most, obviously, to come out of the West and, and repeat. Uh, and especially teams with just their, the amount of, the, 
the the amount of success they had in the playoffs last year, going sixteen and four, like teams that just win that many games in the playoffs have a high, very high rate of repeating. And Denver's just not treated as such and thrown off as being like, oh, teams they played weren't that good, blah blah. blah which just they had low seeds, but they were good teams. I mean, I know you're a fan of the Heat, and like they were they were a good playoff team, and the Lakers were too. And that Suns team had a lot of talent, so it's not a. I think the bigger concern for Denver is just so. I mean, they were relatively dominant in the playoffs. You know, those were some close games with LA, but it was a sweep, right? I think that the big, the biggest thing there was just how great Jamal Murray yeah. played. Frankly, you know, his averages were like all time averages in that series, and they didn't win by a lot. And you wonder, okay, Phoenix got better. Phoenix did take two off of them. The Lakers maybe got better. Another year with that same group, they added a few people. But, you know, another year of LeBron aging. So we'll see if they got better. And then the East top dogs obviously getting better. I I actually do think that the Miami team that they played, and I don't want to take away from Denver at all, was well basically the Jimmy Butler they played was gassed because that yeah, was not the same sure. that was not the same guy I thought that Bam played very well um it wasn't exactly the same like Caleb Martin Vincent Struess especially Struess but I thought some of that was strategy like they they you know Boston and Milwaukee and to some degree New York were sending two to Jimmy a lot they were saying, okay, after we saw what he did to Milwaukee, we don't want to go down like that. And that's where other guys were able to step up. Denver kind of played Jimmy a lot more straight up, and Jimmy wasn't winning those matchups, um, which made it a lot harder for guys like Vincent and Struess. Um, They also played Bam straight up, and Bam was phenomenal. But uh, So I think that Denver was relatively dominant, but I think it's a fair, what are they, like five to one? five and a half to one i think yeah. that's a fair price given given they stayed the same and everyone else got better and they lost bruce brown too i guess so i'm not i'm not a hundred percent sure that uh phoenix is going to be better this year for starters okay um i, I definitely I, they I, just got a lot of guys though they like they got i don't know aiden was so bad that i feel like turning him into nurkic and Keon Johnson get you know that uh, I guess they had Eric Gordon right they they did not no they didn't have Eric Gordon last year um they Nurkic Nurkic wasn't gonna work because he just he clearly hated being there so I they they like had to make a move to get rid of him um even if his overall upside like as a player is just much 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 higher than what Nurkic's is I I'm yes I'm very worried about them defensively um they just don't other than I guess Durant and Booker who have to carry that offensive load, they just don't have any players who have a strong history of playing great defensively. And it's just hard. It's just really hard to win a yeah, title I mean, when you don't have guys like that. known defensively. Yeah. I, I hear you. I just think that offense and maybe I'm biased by how insane they look in the preseason, like Booker and KD were so good, especially Booker. And, but when you add Beal and you add Eric Gordon uh, not that he's like this awesome player, but they were they were really struggling to find anyone else that could do anything competently. 
and you're able to give Nurkic some post touches, like I just think that they won't be nearly as gassed. Like I, I picked Denver last year because I just thought Phoenix was going to run out of steam. Like the 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 usage on the two guys was crazy, but now it doesn't have to be crazy, and it's just a lethal offense. So. Yeah, I mean, we're just, obviously a real threat. We're coming off two straight seasons for Durant where teams have mostly played him straight up and he's just been unable to get his shot off. And I keep coming back to that series two years ago against Boston where he was blocked by multiple players multiple times on jump shots, which just has like never happened to him before. But it's funny because we don't, I mean, and I love KD, so this shouldn't come off as a criticism, but like, He's never, I mean, the, other than the Milwaukee series, which they ultimately lost, he's kind of struggled in that that alpha role, um, creating, like, you know, being the generator of the offense. You know, when he was in Golden State, he was so good because of the spacing and everything, right? For sure. And, and, uh, and you know, he'd beat guys on one. And even in OKC, Westbrook was, was kind of the engine there. Um, then he got to Brooklyn and, you know, when Kyrie would be out and Harden would be out, he kind of had to carry that. And they struggled, like you said, in the Boston series and everything. And now coming to Phoenix, like like you said, he's like, I don't think it's really an age thing. I just he's not a point guard. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I think I think that is the case. Um, I don't know. I just uh, that the, their offense seems like it's going to be really great. And I know they're lighting it up in, in the preseason. It's just there's not that much three point shooting on the team. All those guys love to take mid rangers. Um, I think I yeah, think, well, yeah, so, like all all. So you like Denver coming yeah, out of the and West? Then the East. I like uh, I, I like yeah, I like Denver. And then I would also I, I agree with you on the, the Lakers looking better and the Warriors too, just subbing out. Jordan Poole and getting in Chris Paul there, I think will make a difference because Poole was similar to Aiden was essentially a cancer on that team and they played terrible when he was out there. And um, Yeah, I just, I wonder yeah, about their age. Age is going to be a factor for them too. I mean, none of those guys are getting better at this point. Um, and Clay's likely getting worse. Draymond's likely getting worse. Chris Paul's old. Um, so, I don't know. It's It's hard to project. Like, they barely got by the Kings. The Lakers, I thought, beat them pretty handily. Uh, you know, you look at that game six when was up, they went by like 30 or something. Uh, it's just hard to see them. Yeah. You know, Sacramento's young. Like, even if they have that same path, like, are they going to get better enough swapping in Chris Paul for Jordan Poole where they're getting by Sacramento again, somehow getting a lot better and beating the Lakers? And then beating Yeah, so I Denver. think I obviously <laughs> that, that path was not easy. Uh, the Lakers are a tough matchup for them because AD is just one of a kind uh, in the paint, and he took away just a lot yeah. of what they were able to do. Um, yeah, they had a good strategy for them. And I actually think they match up better with Denver than the Lakers do um, in a lot of those ways because it's just harder for them to get out on the level on the pick and roll. Um I would say Clay, like Clay was bad last year, uh, and he'll he he will probably be better this year. And also, they were missing Wiggins for all the year. Uh, Peyton was not Peyton That's wasn't true. healthy, he and adding guys like Wiggins. Dario Saric um, and like growth from coming and Moody. I it's tough to tell. Like I I still would prefer Denver strongly. Yeah, maybe no. Look, maybe Kaminga makes a jump. Like you never know with Golden State. Maybe it was yeah. just a cultural thing. 
but it's hard to have them higher than what four. I, I would I would have them second the to come out of the West. Um, in my mind. Wow. But if you want to jump, I jump over to the East too. I like I I in the East I I like Milwaukee a lot more than I like Boston. And I mean, and that's because you don't view Boston as having an MVP level guy. I, I, it's, it's a multitude of things that that certainly is one of them for Boston. Um, and they are fighting uphill history in terms of like teams like that, just pulling through and getting to the title. Um, and then it's just in the playoffs, they just even maybe with a change of personnel, it'll help, but we've just seen them consistently not be as good in the playoffs as people expect them to. Um, and we're basically in the last, over the last two seasons, they've played seven playoff series. And I think I mentioned this to you earlier. They've covered the the series spread that was given to them one time out of seven, which is essentially saying that every time they got to the series. They, and that was just the that was just the Brooklyn one? Yeah, just the Nets one. And all the rest of the series, they they didn't do it. And just they they constantly throw away games. Uh and last season that was more clear where just they pushed the Atlanta series longer. So they were more yeah, white for the, the Philly, Philly series. series. And then and they pushed um, the Phillies longer and more white for the Miami series. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, that's a good point. They did get up on the Warriors. And I mean, like they were two wins away from a championship just a year ago. They were in game seven of the conference finals a couple months ago. Um, and they've added Drew and Porzingis, um, which I do think are good additions, but I do think it's fair for Milwaukee to be the favorites, especially if you end up with a healthy Middleton. You know, the Dame to Drew differential is is uh, not negligent, not negligible. Sorry. Yeah, I before before they made that trade, I was much lower Milwaukee just because on a year to year basis, you just kept on seeing Giannis's usage go up and up, and as his usage went up more his defensive impact was just lower and lower um, because he had to carry so much. And like their only out it seems was to get a superstar like on ball creator. And I, I saw there was just no path for them to do that. Um, yeah. And I, and I love Giannis, but I do feel, I do feel like there, that group really benefited, really benefited from that post COVID, like the post bubble year of just like a lot of the top teams being banged up and injured and to their credit they took advantage i mean Giannis was what 17 of 19 from the line in that game seven but both i think he was 100 percent 17 of 17 it was crazy 17 of 17 we wrong uh, or whatever whatever it was so it, clearly that they they played their best but like you know if Kyrie's healthy they're not getting past brooklyn um i think that's fair to say or even if Harden was fully healthy, or if Durant's shoe sizes was a little smaller, and then otherwise, if you take out that season, which again, a lot of the top teams, you know, you look at the top four teams from the bubble, none of them got out of the first round, if I'm not mistaken. Um, just banged up, tired. It was only a couple months in between. Um, but since then, they they've lost to the Heat twice. Well, I guess one of those was in the bubble. They lost to Boston. Um, like they, they just, ha- they, I think they've underwhelmed in the playoffs outside of that one year, which again, there's no asterisks in the yeah. whole thing, but I do think that they benefited from, you know, even the West teams like Phoenix probably doesn't get by the Lakers. If AD's healthy, you know, they were pretty big underdogs in that series when people thought AD was going to be back and then he got hurt, uh, even in a seven, two matchup. 
And then Phoenix hadn't, hasn't done anything since then, even adding Kevin Durant. They didn't. So that whole season, like, I think we'd look at Milwaukee very differently if it weren't for that. But that's all kind of irrelevant because they just added Damian freaking Lillard. <laughs> yeah. The the other thing, yeah, I, I think that's all true. They won that title on the back of their defense. Um, and Giannis was just incredible in the finals defensively. Mm-hmm. I the, My other concern for Boston is just they, they don't, with Porzingis' injury history and Horford just – he's 38 now they they don't have the same guys to throw at Giannis as they did before um and I I think he's gonna give them real trouble in that series um for Boston like if Milwaukee plays Boston like the just Boston is they don't have the same great interior defenders they did before their wing defenders are still very good, but missing Grant Williams and Robert Williams just lowers their overall defensive upside in a way that I think changes. Robert Williams there. was definitely a serious game changer when he was out there. Um, yeah. And I think that he was definitely the difference, like maybe by a multitude of several games uh, in that Heat Celtics conference yeah. finals, um, just because he was so effective against Bam. But Porzingis had a good year interior wise, no? Wizards he fans. did. Um, he's just not that same level of athletic defender. I mean, we were just talking about the Warriors when they played the Lakers in AD. They had that same trouble with Robert Williams in the start of that series as well, um, struggling with the same thing. And just Porzingis is just not that level of defensive mobile presence. Sure, um, yeah. But they didn't have that version of Robert Williams last yeah, year. Yeah, that's true. So anyway, I, 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 would, I would probably take – I would probably go – I'll, I'll give a full because I want to talk about Philly for a second. Um, I think it's Milwaukee, Boston, like very close to each other. Then without Harden, I'm dropping Philly pretty low. I'll go Miami, Cleveland, New York, Philly, I guess. It's just like, what do you think happens with Embiid now? He hasn't gotten past the second round. I think he's very much proven that he's not capable honestly, just from an energy standpoint of being the engine on a team that gets past the second round. Like, even last year when they almost beat Boston, almost-ish, because they kind of got blown out in Game 7, but it, it did go 7. Harden won them two games. Yeah, I mean, for sure. his If if you look at just sort of players' performances during the regular season the playoffs, like, no one has dropped off more than Embiid. Um, and- it's like 10 points, right? It's something. Nine it's points? something crazy. It's not yeah. just the points. I it's saw like some the, stat. The efficiency. The efficiency, especially, just drops off tremendously. Um, Jokic, well, on the th- other hand, gets more efficient. But I think that the difference between them, and you can correct me if I'm off here, is Embiid is like a, a much higher like energy guy to be good. And I think at his size, he, he really struggles with that. Jokic's game is a little bit more, like, effortless. Yeah. And he plays at his own pace. And, frankly, defensively, he's not, you know, as high energy as, as Embiid is. And I think that Embiid, at his size and injury history, just, like, really struggles playing 82 games, g- gunning for an MVP. And then, you know, you look at, like, like some of the engines that we've seen in the past, Giannis, LeBron, even like uh, Steph, although I don't know if he, he's like an engine defensively, like Jimmy, like some of these two-way guys, 
they'll play like 46 minutes and be impactful on every single play on both ends, right? Yeah. And I think for Embiid to be that, like, I just don't think, like, his body works for that. For, you know, he's got to play, you know, in the playoffs, he's still only playing like 32 minutes a game. <laughs> hey, they're, they're also able to scheme more against him in a way that they don't during the regular season, as opposed to Jokic becomes it's still impossible to scheme in the same way. Like you put two on him, passing. he's not as great of a passer. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Jokic is just, they're, they're not really the same level of player on offense, like at all. Um, and, and, and for Embiid, he just, they, teams will put two on him. They'll sort of try and cover him. They, they throw different coverage at him. And he's just not able to adjust. I, I would say on Embiid though, I have a, a friend of mine who used to work in the NBA, he he liked to say that, you know, people always say like players have never done it until they have. Um, and and people would say like, oh, Kobe's never taken a team by himself to the finals. And then he did. And for Dirk, they said, oh, he's always comes up short in the playoffs. And he did. And I would say for Embiid, his playoff struggles have been more than, for example, those two guys. Yeah. <laughs> a lot more. But... Uh, but with the change of coach and you just, you never know. Um, well, look, I think Doc was bad, but if you lose hard enough that team and like, you know, part of this is projecting about what he's going to have around him and what, and what that would take for him to do. You know, he struggled when he had Jimmy Butler on his team. Right. And no, me neither. Ben Simmons, uh, and they had Tobias, who was better than he is now. You know what I mean? Like, even with that team, they, they weren't getting past the second round. Granted, they lost to the champs, aided by KD's injury. But but still, um, like you said, you know, LeBron yeah. got, was like, oh, he's a choker. He'll never do it. But his numbers in the playoffs were better than they were in the regular season. For sure, yeah. It, it was more like a hadn't done it yet kind of a thing, where this is like, hey, we're seeing a very clear drop-off. But, you know, uh, anyway, we got to keep moving. So I want to hear uh, any surprise teams maybe to finish third in the East. I assume you still have Boston at two, even though you're low on them. Yeah. So for the regular season, um, I actually don't think Boston or Milwaukee. I, I, I like Boston to finish with the best record probably in the NBA. Like I think they're the most likely team and the books seem to agree. Um, but the other team, I think uh, in from a regular season standpoint, like I think Cleveland is going to be, really 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 good during the regular season do you think they'll be like the three seed at at worst i like i i like them i think i mean the right now you can bet them at like 270 to win their division i think they're well much higher than that to win the division um and same thing wait what are their odds to win the division? I, oh plus, plus 270 yeah, yeah. um and they're like plus 2000 have the best record in the nba like that they're having the best like that. That's way too low. So awesome. that that who who's the favorite? Uh, that division. I'm so it's bad. Milwaukee. The Bucks are the favorite in the division. So thank you. Thank you. Uh, it'll be one of the two of them. Um, but they they were very very good during the regular season last year, and yeah, and their biggest problem was they didn't have they they weren't able to cons- consistently have like that that defensive stopper on the wing who didn't hurt their offense, um, and just bringing guys like Struce, I know you're yeah. bringing guys like Struce just helps like that. He's just an, a player who can actually defend somewhat well and is a good shooter. Um, and then adding Yang and just the guys all being older. To be honest, I'm pretty, I'm probably surprised you and say I'm pretty low on any guy 
that leaves yeah. Miami. I, you've told me that before. Okay, so so I mean, yeah. you just look at the history of it, and it's really ugly, <laughs> like really ugly. Uh, I mean, if we if we try and go quickly through it, there was the whole team that went that finished the stretch thirty and eleven, and you know, uh, those, if you look at that team, Whiteside did nothing anywhere before or after. James Johnson did nothing anywhere before or after. Not to belittle James Johnson's long career, but he, you know, he wasn't. James Johnson was like the second best player on that team. Uh, Dion Waiters basically did nothing before or after. Josh Richardson, who was a key part of the Jimmy Butler sign and trade thing, um, was the Heat's arguably best player in that time. Um, and who the Heat just brought back. He very much underwhelmed in Philly, and then you know it's basically been an eighth guy anywhere since. Uh, Tyler Johnson didn't do anything before or after. Um, so you like you look at a lot of the the, the Struce type guys, and they've struggled once they've left. And so I think that there is, and Mark Struce is much more of a catch and shoot guy, and he's a decent athlete. Um, so I think a lot of the stuff that he does maybe will translate better than like the Josh Richardson's, but, um, I do think that teams should always question <laughs> what they're actually getting back when they say, like, I think Gabe Vincent will, will probably struggle. You look at like Kendrick Nunn with the Lakers signed and they were excited about it. And Kendrick Nunn was a very effective player in Miami for, you know, Kendrick Nunn was like a, was he, did he start on the bubble team that made the finals? Yeah, he. Yeah, he finished like second or third in rookie of the year too. Um, right, and that and and he and the second he left Miami, he was nothing. Again, yeah, not to belittle, but like so, I think Gabe Vincent maybe fits that mold mold more. But I I do think that there should be questions about what you're actually getting. Yeah, I I think that is true. Um, but this team, I mean, they already won fifty games last season, and that's sort of. And with their age and with their performance, like oh yeah, yeah. Sorry, that was just more of a side note. Yeah, yeah, oh, uh, yeah. I agree. I, I, I agree uh, generally that there's a chance that Struce is not exactly what they're looking for, but I'm not sure he fits that exact mold of all those other Heat guys. And I, yeah, as long as he can hit open threes, he'll be effective for them, right? Yeah, it's a lot of those other guys that I mentioned were put in spots to create, you know, Richardson and Nunn and Waiters and Johnson. As opposed to, you know, a catch-and-shoot guy should translate a lot better and 3 and D, whatever. So, yeah. um, cool. Okay, so you like Cleveland as the three. Any other teams you want to talk about in the East, or should we head back to the West? I'm actually higher on the Brooklyn Nets, I would say, than consensus, too. Um, not necessarily as a playoff team, but as a regular season team. Okay, cool. I think the quantity of defensive weapons they have is just really high uh, between, like, really elite players like Claxton and Mikhail Bridges and, I mean, Ben Simmons, if he's going to play, and then other solid defenders or defenders around them. Um, and one of the things they got rid of was basically all their poor defensive players last year are gone. Uh, and so if they're like a top five defense, which I think is for sure in the cards and they're, they're not winning in the low thirties, they're, they're winning in the mid to high forties, um, which is way higher than most people have them. So I, I have their medium outcome closer to like the mid forties, like 45 wins than the 35 than the 36 and a half over under. So that, that's one of the bigger differences, I would say. And nice. Okay, um, I'm realizing that we are going over time, so I want quickly who do you think will be MVP this year, and then we're gonna go to grinds my gears. Yeah, I like uh, Jokic uh, or Shea. Those would be the two I like. 
What what odds are they at? Uh, I bet yo. I bet Shea at two thousand. I think now you can get him still at like sixteen. Okay, so sixteen twenty the one. Yeah. Uh, and then Jokic, I think, is four to one or so. He's the favorite at most places. Um, gotcha. And okay. that one is especially, yeah, he's it's just locked into finishing top three, and like those odds are just right. going to go the other, go get better as the season go, comes along. So yeah, maybe some people feel bad that they didn't give it to him last year. A hundred percent. Okay, and then the other thing I wanted to ask you, Olympics. Uh, what do you think? I'm sure there are no odds on this now. What do you think the USA will be with all these guys playing? What do you think their odds will be? Um, I think I think they're going to end up being like minus. I want to say like minus three hundred. Um, to the whole thing, which I think is probably too strong. I mean, my main concern is just all these guys that are signing up now are are old, uh, and you just haven't seen Olympic teams with that much. Usually because they don't want to. Many old guys. and, and Yeah, usually because they don't want to. Yeah. Uh, okay, yeah, I think that's about right. Uh, I think that the one benefit that those guys will have that they are older is that they've played together. A lot of them have done Olympics before. They've done the For All-Star. Sure. I mean, just from, you know, they know each other's games pretty intimately as opposed to a lot of these younger rosters that, that get thrown together. Like Steph and LeBron, even though I don't know if they've ever, like, played on a, a non-All-Star team together, like, they're going to be able to feel each other out very well because um, they know each other's games crazy well. But uh, yeah, I think that's about right. I think they'll probably be in the minus two fifty range, and you know, I think they probably win it. I mean, look, they've won. We've 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 still won the Olympics. What the last four times? I think it's the last three, maybe. Maybe the last three, and this is probably the most buy-in we've gotten from our players. So I think there's. Real reason to be optimistic, but okay. Before I let you go, um, I didn't warn you about this, but hopefully you listened to some of the other episodes and figured it might come. Um, I'd like to do a grind my gears segment every episode, every week, and when we have a guest, we make them do it. So, what is grinding your gears? What has got you upset? Whether it's in the sports world or the gambling world specifically, what's got you fired up this week? You know what really grinds my gears. All right, so what grinds my gears is that the NBA season is starting in, in a week from now, and books are still missing odds on Sticks Man of the Year for multiple multiple players who are clearly coming off the bench. So, like, Tim Hardaway Jr. is only listed at, like, two books. Colin Se- and I had to reach out to Fandle to get that. Colin Sexton is clearly coming off the bench for the Jazz. Like, Holiday or Horford, one of the two of them is probably going to come off the bench for the Celtics, and they're not listed. Just the season is so close, and just for them not to have – Odds like that that grinds my gears, uh, for sure. Because I I love it. I love it. That's the nerdiest grinds my gears we've ever had, and I love it. All right. Well, Mr. Maltman, you can find him. Thank you so much. You can find him on Twitter, NBA First Three, uh, and he's also usually lurking around uh, my Discord. If you want to add him with any NBA questions, uh, the his handle in the Discord is Maltman, right? That's right. Yeah. You can always, always tag me or ask me anything in the discord. I'm, I'm more than happy to answer questions as well there. Beautiful. Or, or, or you can DM on him on Twitter again. That's NBA first three. Yeah. All right. Thank you, buddy. Always good to talk to talk with you and uh, good luck this NBA season. Thanks for having me. I'm in love with Mojo fantasy. It's a crazy new app that turns sportsbook odds and selections into fantasy contests. Here's how it works. There are thousands of NFL and MLB player props, You build a portfolio, and the better your portfolio performs, the more cash you win. Pick as many props as you want and try and beat the crowd. Also, 
you can compare their lines to sportsbook lines to help yourself beat the crowd. Always EV bet. <laughs> anyway, it's that simple. Make picks, make moves, make money. Check it out on the App Store now. They're coming to more states and adding more sports soon. All right, that was a fun episode. Thanks again to the Maltman for joining us. Uh, for me and TPG, we'll see you next week. And thanks for following, subscribing, and see you in the Discord. Thanks, Nick. Thanks, everybody. Have a good one.